My podcast today is a little bit special. I say this every week, but it, it does get better and better. This lady, I don't know, and we're going to become friends. We're starting to get to know each other. I went to two awards ceremonies, and I was hosting it. And this lady, powerhouse of a woman, got up and won a couple of awards. But, you know, you take a bow and that. No. She wanted to speak, but she held every single person in that room with this powerhouse of a conversation because of her passion. She's a Liverpool girl. I am delighted that we're becoming friends, and I'm delighted she said hello to me today and is going to do the interview with me. And it's Kate Stewart. Good afternoon, Peter. Thank you so, so much. So, I was bowled over by you, and hence I came over, got your phone number, etc., etc. Take as long as you want, but who is Kate? I don't know, Peter. I'm still trying to figure that out after 42 years, but I am a local girl. I am from Club Moor. I was a little bit of a reprobate in my day. I had a baby at 17, I'd been kicked out of school, I had no qualifications and I had absolutely no hope, neither. Um, and I've worked my backside off and still do to this day to become successful. I'm a mum of four, I'm a business owner and I'm also a social entrepreneur, which is probably the most important thing that I do. When did you think growing up that it was going to happen right your determination came over in that first statement but when did you see things i mean were you making money at school were you selling things were you did you have any jobs did you she's pulling her face <laughs> okay so this is a really funny story so yeah i was in school i didn't respond well to the education system i was clever but the way they taught just wasn't for me, so I didn't, I didn't engage at all in school. But at 14, I had a job on a burger van in, on Matthew Street, and I used to wait till 4 o'clock in the morning, Monday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. And then I'd, you know, I'd still have to go to school, I'd stink of onions, but I'd go into the front way and I'd run out of the back. But coming from, uh, you know, a council estate in them times, there was no opportunities. There was absolutely nothing for us to do. No one had jobs, there wasn't a focus on education like there is now. No one was really bothered about us, so a lot of people got themselves into trouble. And it's a really funny that you've, you've asked that question because you people were actually a big part of that on that council estate because your show of a Sunday kept so many people out of trouble that you would not believe. So we'd start planning of a Thursday for Pete Price's show on Radio City of a Sunday and we'd all made plans on what we were going to do to wind them up because the that was the, just the give us the biggest joy was to, if you could hear Pete Price flip or make him, you were the king or the queen of that estate. And back in them days as well, it used to... Um, he used to shout at us and we'd wind him up and he'd shout at us, but he used to block the number. Well, in them days, we didn't have mobile phones, so we'd all trudge off to find a phone box, ring him up again, and then we'd go to another one. But that was like the highlight of our, our weeks was your show. And while we were doing that, we, no one was getting into trouble. So from all of the people who are my age, I want to thank you for the entertainment and joy you gave us these people who had no hope. But apart from that, yeah, so I always wanted more. I always liked nice things, and my family wasn't in a position to give me that. 
Um, my mum also had me at 19. She was a single mum. She lived with my nan, my granddad, my great-granddad, and three of her sisters all lived in a three-bedroom house. So it was quite jam-packed. Um, and everyone worked, but, you know, by no means anyone had any money. But you lived hand-to-mouth kinds, I think. So, yeah, I always wanted more and I had this, I got kicked out of school. I went and worked in the Adelphi as a cleaner. I worked in the Dolby Hotel as a cleaner. I worked in First Sport on Church Street for £2 an hour. And that money would go really, really quickly because we'd go out of a Friday and Saturday night, be on the cider and blacks and Bob's your uncle, I've got no money again and we lived on coca noodles. So, yeah, I wanted more. And I had this baby at 17, and I had her to a local lad who was up to no good. Um, and we, the relationship just totally deteriorated, and I was left holding the baby on my own. And I had a choice. I could either claim benefits or go into, you know, a job that was mundane, the same thing every single day. Don't forget, I had no skills or qualifications, so I wasn't going to get very far. But I decided, you know, I want to do something. So I was working in sunbed shops. I trained as a beautician. You know, I'd be waxing people's private parts at um, 10 o'clock in the night for a, for a couple of quiz. And I was just like, you know what? I want even more than this. So a guy had come up from London and he was creating the Camden of the North down at Stanley Dock, which was the Heritage Market. And I went along, I was like, can I have a job? And he told me in no uncertain terms to F off. I think there was the terminology of fat, ugly midget that commented it as well. I was like, oh, lovely. But again, determination, I was like, went back and went back and went back. A friend of mine was working there. We'd have a word, we'd have a word. And he said to me, okay, well, if you really want to work here, you can be an elf. So I had to wear an elf's costume, stand in Stanley Dock, which is probably one of the coldest places on earth, by the way. It's absolutely freezing, right on the River Mersey, biggest brick building in the world. And I had to stand dressed as an elf in Stanley Dock. And because I'd done that, he was like, you know what, you've got something about yet. And he gave me a job as a secretary. I worked my backside off like completely and utterly non-stop and he he had a better relationship with drink and alcohol than he did with the business and he was not there a lot of the time so I was running more and more of the business um, and the guys who owned it down in Belgravia in London he was a really really wealthy man all in the 60s I think I was about 25 at the time they decided to get rid of him and were like, you know, he's got to go, he's, he's misappropriated funds and we're looking for someone else to take over the site. So I was like, will you give me a chance? And I think they just laughed at me kind of thing. I was like, look, let me come down to London, let me do a presentation and let me show you what I can do. You've got nothing to lose. So off I went down to London and one thing, I've never changed my accent or tried to be something that I'm not. So you can imagine, I'm about four foot. I've got the broadest Scouse accent that you can ever think of. Bit of a scally, if you look at it like that. And I went down to London and done this presentation. And you could see them all giggling, thinking, oh, God, what, what, the, what is she? And as I started doing the presentation and as I started to say words that, you know, they identified and showed doing spreadsheets and showing them, you know, forecasting and everything else, you could see them actually sitting up in the, in the desk thinking, she actually does know what she's talking about here. And I persuaded them to give me the opportunity and to 
give me Stanley's Och, which they did. At the time, it was absolutely plagued with counterfeit. It was the counterfeit hub of the UK. And Liverpool One had just started to be built and they were trying to attract the designers to come there and they wouldn't come near Liverpool because it was so plagued by counterfeit. So they give trading standards a big load of funding to get rid of it. So that heritage market absolutely got hammered. And I mean, the amount of police that was down there, they sent, you know, the big lorries down to take the stuff away. Um, Because, you know, some of the guys down on Stanley Dock on the heritage market would turn up at nine o'clock. And this is no words of a lie. By 20 past nine, they took 20 grand. That's how much money was involved in this counterfeit. So they got rid of them. And then they said, they came to me and said, if you continue to let them trade, we will do you with money laundering because you're taking money off them. So, so let me stop you there. So we've got this picture. Uh, we've got the story so far. We've got the standing market. You've got an incredibly successful market, but it's completely illegal. Yeah. And you are running it and you've got to ch- you've been told you've got to change it. So in other words, what, right or wrong, them taken out, you've now got an empty market and start again. Absolutely. So I was given the task of these people didn't want to leave and I had to stop them from coming on so there was a lot of bullying there was a lot of threats made and I was like you know what if you were going to do something you wouldn't be telling me um and I had to stop them coming on completely anyway we had to rebrand the heritage market and I had the vision to make it an entrepreneur hub for people who wanted to start their own business start their own businesses but didn't have the means to do it so they could come down to the market they could set up sell their goods what they made or what they imported or what they were buying without the responsibility of having to sign leases without having to pay rates and bills and that's what we made it more of an entrepreneur hub we give free stalls to any women who wanted to start their own business but i had to do something more with it as well because we had this 17 and a half acre site that was just used from nine o'clock to four o'clock of a sunday so we made it a film location so as you can imagine little old me was sitting in my window and all of a sudden jude law was walking past my office and i'm having a cup of coffee with um robert downey jr it was just bizarre but it was really good for the city as well because it attracted a lot of money into the city as well so by those people using stanley dock all the hotels are full local people were employed and we opened a nightclub in there we were attracting 2,000 ravers to come in and have a party so the heritage market was really successful. Right, let me stop you there, because it's such a story, everything. <laughs> it's like going to be a part two, part three, part four, everything. <laughs> How long of your life was the standing market? So I was there from 2004 till 2012. So was that the basis of your learning ability in business? Absolutely, and that's where I made my money from as well. And I invested it. You know, I did have a splurge. I've never went... If, if you've never had money, Pete, and you get it all of a sudden, do you know what I mean? It was like, I was like a man with no hands. And I had a ball, and I don't regret any of it because I enjoyed myself. I yeah, but that also it. made you who you are today. Absolutely. And so, yeah, so that was, was the point where I became successful. From there, I invested into pubs, buildings, um, used me money wisely. Well, I still splurged a lot of it. I could have been a lot richer than I am. Still could have now. But, um, yeah, that was the basis. I've had a ball, Pete. (laughs) I have had a ball. Um, Yeah, so that was the basis where I started it from. Now, let me ask you a question. 
you came from a council estate. We um, in England are a little bit jealous when people are successful. They want you to be successful. When you are, they go, oh, who she thinks she is? Did you have any of that? Oh, all the time. I've had it this morning. There's a <laughs> guy who's taken to the internet this morning, like really slagging us off as a pub. We're a female-led business in here. And I'll move on to that a bit later in the podcast. But yeah, every day I have had so much shit over the time of my career that it's water off the duck's back now I really, I don't really comment I'm not interested in what anyone's got to say unless they come and say it to me face you can shove your comments where the sun doesn't shine because I couldn't care less you don't pay my bills you don't do anything for me so what you think doesn't make a blind bit of difference to me Interesting you say that and I'm with you you know 100% because of the trouble I have how important though because I think the evil side of social media is what you just said. But how important is social media in the business world today? Vital. Absolutely vital because that is how we get our messages out. I remember a long time ago, Pete, I, we used to buy adverts in the Echo. We used to buy the bottom strip on the front page. And all them years ago, Pete, that was 6,000 quid. Um, social media is free. It's just a vital tool. And like everything in life, everything has good and bad in everything if you use it use rightly it is a magnificent tool but it's also evil very evil yeah i'm talking um to kate stewart um fascinating lady there's so much to get on stanley market was part of the history of liverpool it was ginormous it's amazing and of course that area now is absolutely opening up everywhere with the new Everton Stadium, the whole thing, the Titanic, the lot. So you were investing your money while you were working and doing it. And when you decided to leave, whatever you left for, whatever reason, doesn't matter. What was the next stage? I'll tell you the reason why we did leave, because Liverpool City Council come to me and said, look, Kate, we've got a massive regen project going on and Sandy Dock's going to stop it. Would you be prepared to move the market? So he says, yeah, okay, because I'm all for progression, Pete. Anything that helps the city that I absolutely adore, I will do. So I found another building. I invested £100,000 into planning, into everything that went with it. I actually got the planners who'd done the planning for Liverpool one to come and work for me. It was wrote for approval for Liverpool City Council Planning Department. The night before, I got a phone call and said, Kate, you can't have it. Because somebody somewhere who knew someone or had a bit of influence I got onto them and we didn't get it so that was probably one of the hardest things i've ever had to do in my career because i felt responsible for all of those market traders and i had promised them faithfully that i would find a new site for them and i let them down and i suffered really badly with depression over that as well because i'm a woman and my words if i say something piece i'll do it and i will best endeavor to get that done so that was the reason why stanley doc stopped um and it really, really made me sad that I couldn't fulfil that promise to them. But there was just nothing I would, could do. And we were limited on places that we could accommodate that amount of market traders as well. Because it was that big. Yeah. How did you balance your family life or did family life suffer at all? So at that point, I only had Caitlin. Um, she's now 24. A wonderful, wonderful child who is just done a degree in media and television. She's now working in a solicitor's doing an in-house law degree because she wants to be a media lawyer. Very, very proud of her. Um, but I was quite an absent mother at the same time because number one, I'd had it in my youth and I liked to party in them days. And my family were very accommodating and having her. Um, also, I worked a lot. I'd done what I could 
because I had been a better mother, yes, could, but being a ch- child mother at 17 as well was difficult. And trying to make something of yourself at the same time was really, really hard. So, yeah, um, she, you know, we've had this conversation and Caitlin understands I wasn't, didn't abandon her or whatever. I was trying to make a better life for me and her together. And she's proved that by where she is today, which is great. Tell me, how difficult is it still, or has it got better, being in business as a woman in Liverpool? Absolutely still rife sexism right the way through it. I have had, if you go on my social media channel, I have put a massive post about this out today. So without jumping the gun so I've gone on then to do property from the heritage market I've gone on to do property um, bought bars operated them Walton Vale the Hermitage on Queen's Drive and the Sandon came up the birthplace of LFC absolutely huge huge project and I was like I like something to get my teeth into but at this time as well I had twins who were one and a newborn baby. So I had three babies in 12 months. Don't even ask. But um, yeah, so I had three very, very young children. And prior to that piece, and I am quite open to this, when 2014 I suffered, I lost a baby. I had to give birth to her. We had to have a funeral. Um, And I suffer with my mental health anyway, you know. And I went into a very, very dark place from there. And I nearly lost everything because you will find in business, that when the, it doesn't matter what business that you're in, when the cat's away, the mouse will play. And when you're not in your business, they suffer massively. And I was away for a, quite a while because I just couldn't get out the bed. I, I was just, it was just a horrible, dark, dark place. And if anyone who's suffered from depression, they will know what I mean by this. It was, it was just horrid. And I nearly lost everything, and I had to really drag myself back because I was let down to like my last last money and what I did have less I invested into the Sandham and I took this project on and it's been an exceptional exceptional experience um, we are a female led business, there is one lad who works here and he does the heavy lifting every other member of staff is female being in the football sector as well, we face sexism every single day of our lives, it is unbelievable Every other business around here is male operators and they get so many more opportunities than us. And this is not just in every day. This is not just in this business. In everyday life, men stick together. You will see men passing contracts out to each other. You will see them supporting each other. And that's why I set up Sister at HQ to try and build a community of women for us to help each other to share our problems because being a boss is lonely as well, Pete, because you can't walk in and start telling your staff all your problems because it puts them into panic mode. So you hold so much in and all the responsibility is on you. So I think it's important for women to have that community. But yeah, sexism is still rife and women do not get the same opportunities as men. Talking to Kate, um, you're a very modest lady. Uh, I'll say it, that you've given an awful lot back. An awful lot of people like you that I've met over the years uh, do so much for charity and don't want any praise. You just do it. So I'm saying it without naming names. 
but you've got a new project or it's been going for a while yeah. tell us all about that because you're absolutely passionate about this so in 2018 i set up vitality homes which is supported accommodation for people who suffer from drink drug addiction mental health people who are at risk of being homeless people who've just come out of jail because I was brought up by my nan and she had nothing at all, Pete. And she used to make dinners for the whole street. And she instilled it into me from a young age that we had to help other people. That was our responsibility to help other people. If you were in a position to, then you had to do it. So I knew that when I got a few quid in my pocket, that I had to give back as much as possible and always reach down and try and pull as many people up to my level as, as possible. Keep pulling people up, keep helping them, keep churning people through. Um, so in 2018, I set up Vitality Homes. I found a place in Wavertree on the high street, got it all ready, and there was absolutely uproar, Peter. Uproar. The place got smashed up. I wasn't allowed to go to planning committee because there was threats made against me. There was people standing outside with placards saying rotten hell. And it was just like, I remember the council coming to me and saying, Kate, is this you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, I do. And they were like, you know, you can just walk away. It'll be easy for you. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not being bullied. I believe in this. And I know that people need it. And it, it was an unbelievable story that there was a guy, while all this was going on and it was prolonged because of these problems, a guy was waiting to get in to us and he died Peter in another supported accommodation where you didn't get a support and he overdosed in the room and I, that was just like broke my heart where I just thought you know so yeah I had this idea and I got two of the one of two amazing amazing human beings um, Jackie and PJ to come and lead the project for me Jackie's our head of services and she's probably one of the most knowledgeable people in recovery that you would ever come across and they lead this amazing fantastic unbelievable project you know we've had guys in who've walked through that door and they'll openly tell you this they've walked through the door with absolutely nothing with nothing to live for with no hope one of them is now in his second year doing is to become a doctor um, we've got guys who have just made a film that's just been premiered in fact um own companies it transforms people's lives uh, so that you know it's a cic it's a non-for-profit organization and i put the money in every month to operate that because that's my way of giving back how is it funded it's funded by housing benefit which is like minimal amount and then i fund the rest so it cost me a good few thousands a month like but it's worth every penny it's worth what would i do piece of bloody wasted on crap do you know what I mean so we, we as a family we make sacrifices for that but I teach my children as well you know that we, that's what we do we cut back on things to make sure that we we help other people and to look at these men and to see in their eyes the hope and these people you know we we I've done a big contract with the MOJ during Covid as well where I give the hotel over to them because people were sleeping on the streets I was like I don't want that and just just use it um People get to the bottom of their lives and we have a result in door scenario, so there's no help for them out there. So they'll come out of jail, they can't get a bank account, they can't get accommodation, they can't get a job. What are they going to do, Pete? The man doesn't starve, the man's got to eat. So they do a crime. They go back into jail. 
to get put back out. And it's just a revolving door scenario that goes round and round and round. And until we do some intervention and help these people rebuild their lives, that's what society, they'll just keep going on and on and on. And people deserve second, third chances. You know, just because you fell off the wagon doesn't mean that you're a write-off. Come on, put your hands out and get, put your arm around them and say, come on, you can do this. We believe in you. And we'll, we like to, you know, we've got guys in there who are graduates and they now work for us as well. And they help all these other people. So, yeah, we're, we're just expanding again. We've just bought another property on Monday because the demands are high and our reputation has gone through the roof for quality amazing service you had all that negativity at the beginning what's it like now amazing so we invited all of the residents in to come in and meet the guys and when they actually sit down and these are actual human beings in front of them it was an eye-opener to them the war councillor said the best thing to come out of Wavertree in 2019 was vitality homes the lads work in the hub they go around on bikes with baskets on get all the people shopping they are a major major part of that community and are welcomed and loved by so many in Wavertree now so it's just a shining example of you know give people a chance don't listen and actually see believe in people you lost a baby you have depression are there any other times that you wanted to leave the business because you'd had enough because you couldn't cope every fucking day peter <laughs> <laughs> only in liverpool every day every day what's the future oh peter i don't know i don't know what i'm where i'm going to be next week you know so you don't plan I plan, no, Peter, oh, I plan, darling. I plan, but do the plans get made? No, they bloody don't because they get throughout the water because you just don't know what's going next, coming next. You know, we've got seven function rooms here at the Sands and we've got a 126-bed hotel. I've bought over the road that we're doing another hotel with. You know, progression. That's all it'll be. All I want in life, Peter, is for, to have healthy, happy children and to try my best to help people and to give back in the local community. We do a lot as well in Anfield. Um, September, we done a school uniform thing because the thought of a kid going back to school without a school uniform breaks my heart. So we done a just give and page. And because the year before I'd done it myself, and we bought a few, I bought a few hundred school uniforms and give them out to the kids in the local community who would, would have went back to school without one. Um, this year we've done is just given page and in three days we raised £12,000 which was just astronomical. Like so many good parted people out there. Um, and I'm fighting with schools as well about all of this branded school wear. So, you know, the kid, the kid, you're not allowed to wear designer clothes to school, that's fine. And don't get me wrong, Peter, I fully accept, love the uniform policy that all children should be the same and there's no bullying and I get that. But all of a sudden the school have made it so expensive for parents with these badges on. Badges on their jumpers, badges on the pants, badges on PE bags. It's now cost some parents 200 quid for a single child to go back to school. It's like, no, no, no. Let's go back to basics. As long as that child is in uniform, grey skates, white shirts, cardigan or jumper, so that should be it. Let the parents go to Asda and buy uniforms that are affordable. If a kid's loses a blazer, it's 100 quid, Pete. In these economic times, how the hell are people supposed to afford that? You know, so that's another one of me rants. Our city has gone through some very dark times over the years. To me, uh, the politics, without talking politics, were wrong, in my humble opinion, with what was going on. 2008 
to me was when Liverpool changed and now it is a shining star all over the world you people like you are part of it because you've you've given something back to the city and continue to what would you do to change things in the city if you had the chance do you know what liverpool can be quite a jealous city as well so if there's a story about me doing something or someone's told the echo or the echo pick up things off your social media as well because the echo will follow you and then the echo prints a story about something you're doing that's not me putting it out there pete we may raise awareness and say like okay like last year when people had no money and couldn't eat the houses we opened the sands and put the heat and blast and let the pe- families come at four o'clock till eight o'clock we give them fed the kids fed the parents let them have a warm and then at eight o'clock all they had to do was go home and put the kids in bed just to try and help out a little bit oh my god pete you would think i'd killed someone this slating i got on the internet was just unbelievable oh, look at her again drug dealers beards money laundering it's like believe me i bloody wish i had money laundering money and i didn't have to get up and work 18 hour days believe it's just like unbelievable because i think people can't take that a girl who had nothing and wasn't you know isn't educated could make money they don't like it But, but don't you think in general the british are jealous people in america they embrace you when you're successful they embrace you i mean any negativity on the council estate do you know what everyone's kind of pleased for you from where you come from to your face anyway what do you say behind your back it's a different matter isn't it welcome to my world yeah absolutely (laughs) but yeah and you know what i always say as well don't be jealous you channel that energy into being successful go out and do something the energy that you're using sitting on the internet hating on people being a keyboard warrior and being vile could be used in you being successful change your mindset change yourself you know it's never too late to change and it's never too late to try something and another piece of advice i give peter is you know what the amount of times i have fell over and landed my face first in dog shit is just unbelievably high but you know what i always do i get up i wash my face dust myself off and i turn up the next day and try again but don't you believe there are some people that will never be successful that haven't got something it is a gift for somebody successful, you must never ever do yourself down over this. It is a gift. There are millions out there couldn't even, they, they, they wouldn't sleep. They wouldn't, you probably haven't slept. But you know what I'm saying when I say that? Yeah. You still have a gift. Absolutely. Do you know what it is? I'm a risk taker as well. I'm not afraid to take risks. Peter Mount a sleepless night. That's why I'm, I look 40, I look 100 and I'm 42. But the thing is, you've got a you've got to take risks and you've got to push yourself to your limits if you're sitting there telling yourself you can't do something and procrastinate and you're never going to get anywhere everyone has got a skill inside them and everyone can be i am a firm believer and anyone can be anything that they want to be when they put them on it. you've just got to have you've got to have big balls to be honest and get out there and, and don't take no for an answer that's that's probably being one of the the best things about my career is i've never took no for an answer if i believe in something and i know i'm right then hell of you over before i take note for an answer kate this is definitely going to be a part two there's got to be a part because this is incredible to finish off why is liverpool so special why is liverpool so great and it has got its pitfalls without any shout back why is it so great liverpool is a city full of potential it's full of people we've we're so community spirited and so community minded that you will never find that anywhere else in the world we look after our own pit you know we spoke before about you know negativity and that is a very very small minority of people 
But overall, it's a beautiful, vibrant city full of love and full of life that you will never find anywhere else. And we all look after our own. And to anybody listening to this podcast, what advice would you give them, especially if they were young and they think there's no hope? There's hope for every single person out there. Be determined. If you change your mindset, start reading books. I'll tell you a book that changed my life. It was Chimp Paradox. It was just like really, really good for me. Be determined. Do not let other people influence your decisions. If you believe in something, then you follow that through to the very, very end. You know, just be brave. Face fear head on. And live your life and enjoy it because believe me it goes too fast you blink your eye and it's gone don't waste a single day thank you so much for joining us on our podcast why not subscribe you know it's free so join us and tell your friends it's great going on walks and doing whatever you want to do and then putting p-price on we've got a back catalogue of over a hundred interviews join us subscribe it's free